You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 265 of Podcateers. This week, Gavin finally heads down to Gallery Nucleus for the Disney destinations and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse-inspired shows. We talk about Walt and Lillian's 30th anniversary and the legend of the petrified tree in Frontierland. More shows are going away at Disneyland and DCA. Plus, we finalize our talks about New Orleans Square by going beyond the bayou and doing some armchair imagineering. We'd love for you to join the conversation and give us your thoughts on anything that we talk about in this episode by leaving a comment over at podcateers.com slash 265 or by finding us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. Thank you so much to everyone that has contributed towards our Chalk Walk goal. We're about halfway to the $500 goal that we set. We will be posting information about the charity auctions that we'll be holding very soon. So make sure that you're following us on social media so you know when those are live. If you would like to join the team or just make a donation, you can do that by going to chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwillie. It's like Steamboat Willie, but it's all one word and there's no S at the beginning. So it's super simple to remember. We would love it if you came out and joined us for this great event to help the children of Chalk. That link again is chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwillie, or you can go to teamboatwillie.com for more info on our team. Before we start the podcast, I want to send a big thanks to the FGP Squad, our podcast, Fairy Godparents, because it's their monthly contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you like what you hear and would like to help us grow, you can check out podcateers.com slash FGP for more info on how to join the FGP squad or maybe even provide a one-time donation. Once again, a huge thank you goes out to the entire FGP squad for their continued support. All right, let's get this episode going, shall we? Here is episode 265 of Podcateers. Testing the levels on my microphone. <laughs> that worked. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I got my appropriate levels. <laughs> that might be how I test the mic every single week now. Oh, goody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if it helps, I'll come up with a different portion of the mansion every single time. <laughs> all right. Because like it, it all sounds different. That's funny, dude. <laughs> Uh, how's your week, man? Uh, it was good until the weekend when I got sick, and it was kind of a bummer. Uh, but it's uh, a bummer. I'm on the rebound. I'm feeling feeling stronger right now, so ready ready to go. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. It thanks, man. It's crummy being sick, dude. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to not get sick. But when I get yeah. sick, it takes me down for weeks. Yeah. I, I'm that way too. I'm not used to being sick, and uh, I just I end up just feeling. Well, first of all, I feel angry and frustrated because, like, what's the point? It's just a waste of time being sick. Uh, but then, second of all, I, I end up feeling just weird because you don't feel right, mm-hmm. you know. And so I just I feel just so off. Like everything is thrown off. 
But uh, like I said, my, my brain is back with me right now, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, that's my secret, Gavin. I'm always angry. Oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. That's, <laughs> that's where you derive your powers from your anger? Well, it's what turns it's me... It's very Sith of it's you. It's what turns me into a big green rage monster. I mean... Oh, 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 okay. Hulk. Got yeah. It. I mean, I, I thought, look... I threw a shot in the dark, and I figured I've got a 50-50 shot that Gavin's going to understand this reference. <laughs> it's early enough in the Avengers franchise <laughs> that I think he might get it. And guess what? I shot from half court. Airball. 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 Into the Star Wars crowd. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know. Sorry, I'm, I'm almost always going to think Star Wars before Marvel. Oh, is that where I went wrong? I should have gone with Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you would have said the word green, then I probably wouldn't have, but uh, you didn't. So You know what? I'll prepare other analogies that have to do with Star Wars for you next time. How about that? That works. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, I know that you finally went to the Gallery Nucleus show. So yes. I do want to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, this episode is scheduled to launch the day of Disneyland's birthday. Hooray! But I did want to talk a little bit about this really cool article that I was reading that was prompted by an episode that we recently did. Like, remember Melissa was talking about who she wanted to meet up with and who she wanted to have lunch with? Oh, yeah. And she said, oh, mm -hmm. one of the stories I want to hear is about the petrified tree from Lillian and everything. There was a comment on Facebook by listener Andrew about the petrified tree. Mm -hmm. And so he directed us to this really great article from the Disney History Institute where they talk about the myth of the petrified tree. The the reason it all kind of came up was because just several days before the opening of Disneyland on July 13th, 1955, was Walt and Lillian's 30th wedding anniversary. And so we recently celebrated that. And I was thinking about, man, how cool would it be to just celebrate your anniversary at Disneyland? And I mean, I, you can do that at any time, right? You get the cool little buttons that say, I'm celebrating, happy anniversary, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, right? For Walt, Lillian, 300 guests inside of this unopened, brand-new amusement park, which, by the way, still hasn't fully been finished, right? Mm -hmm. And on your invitation, you're told, come to our anniversary party on a Wednesday, okay? Just th yep. to top it all off, it's on a Wednesday, which goes to show that... More stuff should happen on the weekdays because we've all been so confined to the weekend that I feel more stuff needs to happen on a Wednesday, which is why Pocketeers Word. launches on a Wednesday. Not actually <laughs> the case, but that's what I'm going to go with for the purposes of this story. So it's a Wednesday, right? And Walt and Lillian invite everybody to Disneyland. And they say, look, we're going to celebrate by taking you on the maiden voyage of the Mark Twain Riverboat. And so uh, before they showed up, uh, Admiral Joe Fowler, you know, one of the people that was in charge of creating the park and creating Rolling Square and everything, uh, starts to go into this panic because he heard that the Mark Twain was, was all messed up and it was not in good conditions to bring people on board. And so he goes over there to start cleaning it up and everything. And he finds Lillian with a broom just sweeping up, you know, the dock, 
next to the Mark Twain. So he starts helping her and they clean everything up. They get it ready. So now everybody is, you know, here. It's time to start the anniversary party. And everybody boards the Mark Twain. And at this point, Admiral Joe Fowler is like stressing out, right? Because he's thinking, man, is the river going to dry up like it did once before? Because this was an actual thing that happened. They filled mm-hmm. up the rivers of America and it just it dried up. You know, yeah. so he's like in this cold sweat. He's been having nightmares about this happening for the opening of Disneyland. And thankfully, it was not dry. So it goes on its maiden voyage and everybody's like sipping mint juleps and listening to the band play. Everybody's enjoying their cruise down the Mississippi River. <laughs> and so they get off the boat, right? And then they're all invited to go over to the Golden Horseshoe Saloon. And there's this like buffet dinner and this show and none other than Wally Bogue and Donald Novus and Judy Marsh all perform for all of the guests for Walt and Lillian's anniversary. And so as legend has it, or should I do it like the prospector, as legend has it, because we are in Frontierland <laughs> after all, um, the, the show went off great. But really, it was Walt who apparently stole the show because he became this unofficial performer when he started interacting with all of the actors and actresses that were on stage, started shooting finger guns at them. And then he jumps out of the balcony and just starts performing with them. And everybody's all cheering and Walt, Walt, Walt. <sighs> 10 million people <laughs> yelling and screaming for Walt Disney. <sighs> It was more like 300 because we just established that. And then all of a sudden they're like, we want Lily. We want Lily. And so everybody like gets Lillian to jump on stage because she thinks if I jump on stage, I'll be able to get Walt down. That was not the case because then they ended up bringing up their girls on stage and everybody starts dancing and having a good time. And that was the official 30th anniversary celebration of Walt and Lillian at Disneyland. So how does this tie into how I started? This is how it ties in. A year later, Walt and Lillian are on vacation, right? There's this kind of legend about the petrified tree that says that Walt got it for Lillian as an anniversary gift, but it didn't fit on the mantle. So we threw it into Disneyland. And for a long time, most people will be able to quote this story. And the reason they quote it is because as part of the tours and it's become this just Disneyland thing to say that, you know, it it was kind of this offshoot comment that Walt made, but that was not actually the case. The, The thing was that while Walt and Lillian were on vacation, um, they were in the process of building Mineral Hall in Frontierland. And the idea for Mineral Hall was that they were going to have this display of really rare rocks and minerals. Uh, and there was gonna, they were going to have this like back room that was filled with like backlight. And I think it would have been gorgeous to see because I think the stalagmites and stalactites that they had at, at Nature's Wonderland would have just been like this kind of little walkthrough exhibit versus the train that we ended up having, right? And so uh, they planned on building Mineral Hall. And while they were doing that, Walt and Lillian were on vacation in Colorado Springs. And so while they were on vacation, they found out about this local attraction called Seven Falls. And so they went to Seven Falls and they rode donkeys through the canyons and all these waterfalls and stuff. Long story short, this local businessman by the name of John May finds out that Walt Disney's here with his wife. And John May had just kind of started up his own natural history museum just south of where they were. And he had all these 
butterflies and like rare insects and everything. So he invites Walt Disney and Lillian to go to the May Museum and look through everything. And, you know, his his idea was that he wanted to take his entire exhibit and display it at Disneyland because, I mean, what better advertisement is there than mm-hmm. being at Disneyland, right? So he's thinking, like, man, if I can convince Walt, like, he'll take my butterflies and my insects to Disneyland and they'll get free churros. And so during this tour of this museum, Walt was really, really impressed. Ultimately, what ended up happening was... They couldn't reach a deal because John May wanted his exhibit to be like this exhibit presented by the May Museum. But Walt wanted it to be this exhibit presented by Disneyland, you know, because Mm -hmm. he didn't want anything outside being promoted at that point, at least for that area. So even after a couple of visits, they just couldn't reach this deal. So Walt and Lillian started driving and they end up. Uh, going into the Pike Petrified Forest. And uh, while they were there, Walt uh, starts talking to to the people on the tour, and he falls in love with this giant petrified tree. And he basically says, I want to buy that, because that's what Walt does, right? We see how well it went for the Great Glass Elevator that ended up in Club (laughs) 33. Except that this time, he wasn't denied. So when he actually struck a deal with John Baker, the guy that was the owner of the of the uh, petrified tree stump, uh, it was this this giant seven foot five ton petrified rock is how best as, as best as you can describe it, right? Because a petrified tree is basically a big rock. <laughs> for all intents and purposes it's a giant paperweight it's what's holding the giant paper of new orleans square and Frontierland right in the center of disneyland (laughs) that's what it is uh so before leaving walt actually struck this deal to buy that petrified tree for roughly sixteen hundred dollars so there was this letter interaction between john baker and walt disney and this letter is essentially what what demystifies, you know, the legend of how this petrified tree really didn't fit on the mantle. The letter is dated July 19th, 1956, and it says, Dear Mr. Baker, this will serve as confirmation of your telephone conversation with my secretary, Dolores Voigt, on July 18th regarding the petrified stump. It is my understanding that you will deliver the stump directly to Disneyland at Anaheim, California within 30 days along with approximately one ton of small pieces of petrified stone. The full price for which is, and I'm pretty sure it was $1,650. It's actually blocked out in the letter, but from what I read, it's about $1,650. Payable upon delivery. We are enclosing a map showing the location of Disneyland, and we suggest you make delivery at the warehouse entrance, which is on West Street. The attendant at the warehouse will direct you further to the spot in the park where the stump is to be unloaded. Thank you for calling, and we shall be expecting to hear from you further, letting us know more definitely the date on which you will make the delivery. I might also add that delivery any time during the course of a normal business day would be preferable to early morning or evening hours. With best regards, sincerely, Walt Disney. Nice. So that, that letter alone is essentially kind of what... Like I said, it demystifies this whole legend of the petrified mm-hmm. tree. And I mean, look, for a long time, 
I believe the whole like I, this was a gift for Lillian for our anniversary, yeah. and it just didn't fit on the mantle. But it was Diane Disney Miller who ended up talking to different people and had talked to the author of this article through an email exchange that uh, essentially solidified the fact that, no, it was actually purchased for Disneyland and it was planned to be delivered to Disneyland. But, you know, considering the fact that Walt was such a showman and he always loved telling these little stories that would enhance the tale of Walt Disney and the park and everything. Uh, it just kind of fit into the person that Walt was to tell that story. And it was one mm-hmm. of those tongue in cheek comments that unfortunately just grew legs and it right. just, it became quote unquote fact for a long time. Yeah. You know, I, I think I heard a slightly different version of it. That was more like Walt bought the the tree stump as an anniversary present but under the guise of an anniversary present because he always wanted it for the park uh and so he gives this thing to Lillian and Lillian's like uh what the heck am I gonna do with this there's nowhere I can put this at my house why don't you put it in your park (laughs) like yeah it was just kind of like uh nice try Walt (laughs) yeah take your tree elsewhere (laughs) And it kind of feels like the halfway point between what this letter states and what the mm-hmm. known story is to many people, right? It, it's yeah, it's kind of that, yeah. that midpoint where there's more truth than fiction to that version that you were telling. But right. it's still, I mean, I think they're all good stories uh, overall. Even knowing the truth, I still choose to believe that it just didn't fit on the mantle. And that Lillian was like, nah, you know what? There's a really great place for it next to the rivers of America. And and that's how (laughs) it ended up there. And they were talking about it in their VIP lounge built, you know, in New Orleans Square. That's awesome. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I like that that petrified tree being there, too. It's a neat little feature that a lot of people just walk right by. They don't even see it. And it's one of those relics that it means so much to the park and to the area, but because it's not flashy and doesn't have all these lights and everything around it, like you said, people just miss it. So if you're ever in Frontierland in front of the Golden Horseshoe, right behind the popcorn, you know, as you're walking towards New Orleans Square along the rivers of America, you'll see this petrified tree. There's a little plaque there and everything dedicated to the park as a gift from Lillian, which I, I think is a cute little touch to kind of add to the entire story of it and the folklore of the petrified tree. So, yeah, uh, I recommend that you go. You take a picture with it because it, it's one of those pieces of Disney history that's essentially been there since the opening of the park-ish a year later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so let's jump into this Gallery Nucleus show that you went to because I've been cool. super, super pumped to hear about it. I didn't get a chance to go. Tell me all about it. All right. So you probably remember last year around this same time, uh, I went to Gallery Nucleus and talked about the show uh, on the podcast. And they had done a show called um, Disney Dream Destinations. And it was basically a concept of they challenged artists to do basically travel posters of destinations we see within Disney movies. 
and it was amazing. It was there was some fantastic art. The one you purchased uh, is among my favorite. Yeah, I mean, there God, I, we could have spent a lot of money there. <laughs> uh, it's easy to do. Uh, so when we heard that they were doing a volume two this year, we were very excited and we finally got to go this last weekend. The difference this time around is they did it as kind of a split show um, that was kind of released simultaneously with uh, a show featuring art inspired by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is also a huge favorite of mine. So it was kind of weird the way they did it this time because they did an opening like they opened the whole show on the same night, but that first opening reception was just for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, they did an opening reception for the Disney Dream Destinations. And that was on the Saturday that we went. So despite the fact that the show had already been open for two weeks, there were still several pieces that they wouldn't be showing until the opening reception later that night. So. Nice. A couple of their featured pieces I didn't get to see in person, which I'm kind of bummed about. Um, like there's this amazing Skull Rock piece, oh, which looked absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that wasn't on display yet, so I was disappointed. Um, but yeah, if you can get to Alhambra in the next couple of weeks, go check it out. It's awesome. There are a lot of really cool pieces. I'm seeing a lot of uh, Three Caballeros artwork uh, right now in the Disney verse and there were three or four three caballeros pieces at this show um a couple maybe three different aladdin pieces which were epic and awesome um but for my money i i feel like i liked the first volume of this show a little bit better i felt it had a little more variety um because this show i think there was like maybe three or four of the artists had three or four pieces in there. So there wasn't as much variety to the, to the selection. Um, So like there were, you'd see three or four pieces from different movies, but they all looked relatively similar because they're all done in the same style. Right. Um, So I was honestly a little bit underwhelmed by the, the Disney dream destinations too, but the spider verse show had some incredible work. I mean, just like the film, like stuff that was just mind-blowingly good. Really, really good stuff. So uh, Gallery Nucleus is in Alhambra, and it's free to visit. And the front half of it is like a little store where they've got tons and tons of prints of current and former art shows. They've got tons of books, artist books um they've got lots of disney books there disney history lots of art of animation books like it's one of the coolest little art book stores i've ever been to and then the back end of it is the main floor gallery and then there's an upstairs gallery so if you have an afternoon and or an evening and you want to want something to do it's a great little escape to go and check out some cool art and there's tons of little coffee shops and restaurants in that area it's totally walkable um it's it's a neat little part of town i'd go check it out yeah it it downtown at humber is really nice uh, yeah. i like that area a lot 
you know, I was looking through some of the artwork, and I'm kind of bummed out that you didn't get a chance to see the Skull Rock piece because of all of them, there's three that I I really like just from looking at the thumbnails that they had posted on their Instagram account. Mm-hmm. One of them, of course, is the Skull Rock because I'm yeah, kind of obsessed with Skull Rock right now. It's the best one. Uh, second is the Lake Destiny one. Because I just yeah. think it's super cute to have uh, Max and and Goofy and kind of that whole visual of vacationing on Lake mm-hmm. Destiny. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, I really like the Frozen one. <laughs> yeah, the Frozen one was pretty cool. They had that one there. I, I got to see that one. The one I really liked was the uh, Cave of Wonders Aladdin one. That one was really good. I don't know if you saw that I one. I haven't seen that one. It actually has gold paint in it so it's um got metallic highlights in it which is incredible man it's so good in person i don't know if the prints would have had that because that was one that they had just hung up and the prints weren't available until the opening reception so gotcha gotcha i don't know if the prints were metallic but the piece that was on display was awesome hmm well, I guess until I see that piece, maybe I'll change my mind about what my top yeah. three are. No, I can't imagine any of them topping that Skull Rock piece. It's just phenomenal. I wish I would have gotten to see it in person. Oh, that's going to remain my number one no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm... Well, you know, they, they keep these prints on sale for a long time because a lot of the prints from the show last year are still on sale there. So, um, you know, if you don't get to see the show in person... I can tell you their prints are super high quality. They're they're higher quality than what you get at Wonderground. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, so they they're worth it. You know, like they all their prints are done by like Cyclops or, you know, like really good print yeah, studios. Yeah, they have really great printers. Yeah. So it, what you see online, you're you're almost going to get an even better image than what you see online they're they're really good that's cool i wonder if the reason there was less variety this time around was because they somehow scheduled it uh, alongside the spider-verse exhibit yeah i'm not sure I, i really don't know what the answer is there but that could be it i mean it's weird because i think what happened was spider-verse started in the main gallery downstairs where there's more room and the dream destinations started upstairs and then they switched them two weeks in uh, when they were doing the opening reception. So like they hadn't even filled all of the walls yet with the Disney pieces. Gotcha. Um, so I don't, it was weird. So I don't, I don't know if it's because of that and they wanted to like slowly roll out more pieces. So they were like, well, it's easier just to have, a few artists do a few pieces. I don't know. Yeah. I'm really not sure. Maybe they just double booked. Yeah. <laughs> could uh, be just something uh, as simple could... as they messed up and they double booked. <laughs> that could be. That's happened it to me be. before. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. You mentioned about the three caballeros because you're right. I have been seeing a lot more of that recently. And I wonder if it's because we're getting the legend of the three caballeros on Disney plus later this year. Um, maybe uh, it's weird because, but we're getting a lot of things on Disney plus. Yeah. But I, right? I feel like some of the things that are properties that you don't tend to see a lot of, we're starting to see more advertising in, in merchandise. Yeah. 
I was looking it up to see if there was a like an anniversary or major something? anniversary, but it came out in 1944, so it would be a so maybe it's because it's the 75th anniversary. Because I know that um, at least two Wonderground artists that are going to be at D23, their official D23 pieces are both three Caballeros. Oh well, maybe it is because so, of the 75th like anniversary. Like Jared Mariama's piece is three Caballeros, and um, Joey Chewy his. Um, pieces three caballeros yeah maybe it is so, because of the anniversary then that's all i can think of it's the one that know? makes the most sense yeah yeah cool but anyway there there were a bunch of pieces from that there which were really cool so i mean all of the artwork there was really good like i wasn't disappointed i just wasn't as blown away as i was with the first volume gotcha of the show gotcha well, either way, I think if they were just moving stuff around, uh, I would possibly still try to make it down because yeah. even if you don't get a chance to see this entire show, like you said, I still want to see the artwork for Into the Spider-Verse. I think that's also uh, a really great film, and I think it deserves all the love that it can get because I think it was pretty groundbreaking as far as animation yeah. is concerned. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, all right. Well, uh, there's a couple other things that we wanted to talk about, uh, things that are leaving Disneyland and stuff that's happening. But before we move on to that, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by listeners just like all of you listening right now. Yes, you. The one thinking right now, me? Yes, you, you. We like to call those listeners our podcast fairy godparents, but they like to call themselves the FGP squad. And if you would like a little more information on how you can become part of the Podcateers family and part of the FGP squad, you can head over to podcateers.com slash FGP for more information. Becoming a part of the FGP squad gets you into our monthly live streams that we recently rolled out to the FGP squad. It makes you eligible for giveaways. Plus, we heart you. You know, I mean, there is that. I mean, so again, if you want a little bit more information about becoming part of the FGP squad, head over to podcateers.com slash FGP and to all of the members of the FGP squad. We just want to send a huge and resounding thank you to all of you. Also, before we move on, I just want to make a quick announcement and another quick thank you uh, that I want to send out to everyone that's contributed to my Chalk Walk fundraiser page. I think I mentioned it before. We signed up a little late for Chalk Walk this year, and that's totally on me. Chalk Walk was kind of last on my list of things to deal with. Um, but I did sign up. We set the Team Boat Willie goal to something super small because we knew we weren't going to have a lot of time to fundraise. We set it for $500. I set my original goal to about 150 to start off. And within about a day, everybody stepped up and they helped out. They helped me reach that goal. Nice. I raised it to 200 and more people stepped up and they helped me reach that $200 goal. And so I've raised it to 250 and I'm working on hitting that now. So again, to everybody that's contributed, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me that you are uh, taking a part of being a part of Team Boat Willie because making a donation isn't just making a donation to me. You're actually helping the Children's Hospital of Orange County. You're helping all of these kids that need the type of care that is provided by Chalk. And so, you know, as much as I want to say that you're helping me, you're really helping them. 
And so I really appreciate the fact that you guys are taking the time to go to my page, read through it, and make a donation in most cases. I do have a, a couple of auctions coming up. Melissa is also trying to get something done to auction off for her Team Boat Willie fundraiser as well. Uh, if you head over to podcasters.com slash 265, you'll see our links there. You can contribute to the team. You can contribute to me. You can contribute to Melissa. Honestly, it doesn't really matter because, like I said, it's all going to the same place. It's all going to chalk and it's all going to help the children. So, again, thank you to everybody that has donated. Thank you to everybody that's going going to participate this is future hazen telling you all thank you <laughs> and uh that was lame i may cut that out of the podcast <laughs> but overall again thank you so much i really truly appreciate it okay so a couple things as we go into disneyland's birthday this week there's a couple things that are leaving looks like sensational is leaving Disneyland and also the the newsboys are no longer going to be at California Adventure. What's up with that, yep. Gavin? Why'd you make that call? I did not. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's temporary or permanent, um, but, you know, there's lots of question marks right now when it comes to uh, Hollywoodland and Buena Vista Street. Uh, most notably, the red car trolleys have been non-operational for quite some time at this point. Uh, I think it's largely due to the fact that the end of their circuit is right where they're working on the Marvel expansion. So uh, I think it's to do with that. So I'm hopeful that they'll come back at some point. But whether or not they'll travel the same distance that they did before is is kind of up in the air. Um, I You know, they, they were doing the Newsies thing for a while without the trolley. And I don't know if it's just they feel like it doesn't really work without the trolley as well. But... I don't know. It's going away. And I'm not totally sad about it. I feel like that show has been going forever and, you know, it's kind of run its course and maybe they need to bring us something new. But my fear is that they won't replace it with anything because of Minnie's Fly Girls. You know, that was a show that they used to have, which I thought was really cool that they just completely got rid of and didn't replace it with anything so i'm fearful that this one might not be replaced with anything um and that would be sad yeah so i hope they give us something new i haven't heard anything about five and dime i i assume it's sticking around but At least we hope I so. yeah i really like five and dime they they play my kind of music yeah yeah, it's interesting because Five and Dime and the Red Car Trolley Boys and, like you said, the Trolley, they all kind of come from the same area, you know. So mm-hmm. as Five and Dime are, are performing, they're coming down that street in Hollywoodland. And if all of that turns into Marvel, you know, somehow, because mm-hmm. I feel like that entire Marvel area is going to bleed into that somehow because it is just around the corner from Mission Breakout. Mm-hmm. Plus, we already have the meet and greets with Black Panther. We already have, you know, Black Widow riding around in in her in her Jeep or Humvee or what is it? I don't even know what she drives around in. I don't know. Uh, assault vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I shouldn't use the word assault. Maybe that's not a Disney-esque word. It is mm. a um, 
a, a hug vehicle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The point is that they all kind of share these main streets, right? And so if they're going to theme it to one thing or another, I think they have to decide or they're trying to decide what's going to be coming down that street on a more permanent mm-hmm. basis. And if the yeah. trolleys haven't been there, it could very well be that it's because the ending is where they're doing the construction, but I don't really feel like they're coming back. And they're talking about the end of the red car trolley boys as the final showing, or it's not going on hiatus or anything. They're mm-hmm. calling it the final show. Sensational. I have less of a concern over it not coming back because we all know that parades can come back Mm -hmm. as we've seen with the 20th coming of the main street electrical parade to Disneyland. (laughs) Uh, Every time they retire it, they wait a couple years and they bring it back as something special. And I know I'm exaggerating right now. Don't, don't uh, leave the inflammatory comments about that. I know I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but for sensational, I love Sensational. I hope that it does come back after the summer because I I do love it. And even if it comes back as a special attraction in one year, two years, five years even, uh, Mm -hmm. as as a summer thing, I I think it would be super cool to have it back. Sensational is actually one of my favorite parades, primarily because of the soundtrack. You know, it's just yeah, upbeat, catchy. I agree. So uh, yeah. I, if it does get replaced with anything else, I'm hoping that it'll have just as catchy of a soundtrack. Yeah. I I think that um, I would assume that it's not going to be dismantled or destroyed. It's likely that it'll pop up at another resort somewhere in the world. Could be. Because that seems to be what they do. Um and yeah, I think it's it's kind of run its course. It's been eight years. Yeah. So they're going it's been to a revamp it and call it Sensational Lights and send it to Walt Disney World and make it their night parade. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's terrible. No. What? How uh, dare you, sir? <laughs> it it is clearly what I like about it is that it's so clearly a daytime parade. And the the float designs done by Kevin and Jody are really, really stylized and cool. I agree. I I, I really like them I a agree. lot. I think they're cool. They're based on paper sculptures, and you know they look like it. Yeah, and they look really delicate and fun and festive. Uh, it's a really pretty parade. Yeah, I agree. I want to throw out a question for Sensational. If you have a favorite float or a favorite segment of Sensational, what is your favorite part of it? What is your favorite segment? What is your favorite float? Leave a comment in the blog post for the episode at podcasters.com slash 265. Or you can join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcasters. Let us know which one you like and we'll share it in an upcoming episode. All right. Well, I I think we should jump into our main topic for this episode. What do you think? Yeah, we've gone on quite a while, and oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) look, on the plus side, I didn't come up with many ideas for New Orleans Square. So before we even jump into this, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about what's going to happen right now. So if you've been listening for a while, 
you know that uh, we concentrate on a land or an attraction every month. And the fourth episode of that series is usually Armchair Imagineering, where we try to plus up that land or attraction or shows or whatever the, the thing is that we are talking about. This month, we've been talking about New Orleans Square. And so, of course, we're going to concentrate on Armchair Imagineering, one of our favorite lands at Disneyland, and that is New Orleans Square. Now, again, I don't have many ideas for this area of the park because I feel like outside of the Cars lands and the galaxy's edges of the world, there's a really beautiful cohesiveness to New Orleans mm -hmm. Square. And it might be one of the smallest areas in the park, but it's also one of the most beautifully done. And yeah. I, I feel like there's not a lot that we can do because, one, the footprint is absolutely smaller than almost everywhere. And it's not like mm -hmm. we can expand back because most of the Haunted Mansion show building is behind the berm and the train tracks. So you yep. can't do much, right? So in my ideas, I'm going to talk about it like we're just poof, magically making space appear <laughs> out of nowhere. Are we okay with that? Yeah, dude. Okay. Let's do it. I, I'm i going to use some black magic myself. Awesome, because I'm going to tear everything down. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going to do classic, that. Classic hazing. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean is out. No, no. <laughs> you know, I think Pirates and Mansion are just, I don't know, man. They're they're part of what makes Disneyland Disneyland. They are just in the DNA of the park and what classic dark ride attractions should be like, you know? So uh, as, as long as Disneyland has those available, I think there are going to be happy fans around the world for years to come because they may not be absolutely rooted in, in an actual film or story, even though they've tried to throw Jack Sparrow and these other characters in there. I think the attractions mm -hmm. themselves speak for themselves. You know, they're just so well made and so well built that they have and will continue to make people happy for many, many yep. years. So with that said, let's jump into this armchair engineering episode. I'm going to let you go first because that will allow me to just give you the crown of best ideas this episode. <laughs> and a lot of the pressure will be taken off of me really early on. So as long as you're okay with that, let's kick this off, uh, dude. I mean, yeah, but you're assuming all of my ideas are good here. Oh, I'm uh, pretty sure you're going to win. I'm pretty it sure. It may or may not be. I, I've got some controversy here look, for sure. Look, all I know is that when we started talking about what we were going to talk about throughout the year, you've been talking about revamping New Orleans Square for months. Okay, <laughs> so that means you've put way more thought into this than I have at this point. Well, that's that's fair. So, uh, all right. So let's kick this off. Yeah, I've got a lot of ideas for New Orleans Square. I think that, like Kazen said, there is a general cohesion that is better than most, if not all, of the other lands. Uh, it, with the exception of maybe Galaxy's Edge, which obviously is cohesive. But, you know, there, it's gone through some changes over the years, and I feel like we can address some of those. Um, it also lacks uh, what is, you know, considered a primary function for Disney, and that is um, the presence of IPs. 
So my first um, few ideas here are going to be IP driven. Uh, actually, all of mine actually in general are IP driven, but these first three share the same IP. Interesting. Um, I'm going to break it up into three things though. And what these three things are going to do is expand the footprint of, of New Orleans Square and slightly shrink the footprint of both Frontierland and Adventureland. Oh, interesting. So here's, here's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with the Riverbell Terrace. Okay. Tiana's place. Nice. Okay. We're going full-on Louisiana-style, like, high-end restaurant, like, in, in its visuals, right? It's still going to be uh, a walk-up uh, or a table service like it is, uh, casual dining, but it's going to look like that amazing, jazzy, beautiful place that she has in that dream sequence. And then at the end, um, we're going to have classic soul food, southern comfort food done nice. You know, it's going to be beautiful, beautiful, awesome food. AKA we might Club even 34. get our chance. Yeah, Club 34. <laughs> <laughs> we might even get our chance to get chicken and waffles in the park. Yes! I mean, come on. I mean, this is a great idea, I mean, right? Look, you can kind of already do that if you ask for It's a secret menu item. If you go to Plaza Inn, some people say you can't get it anymore. But if you ask nicely, you can still kind of get it. I'm just saying. Really? Oh, I'm, okay. I'm just saying. It just depends on who you talk to. But don't tell anybody <laughs> that I told you. Okay. Th this is recorded. You know that, No, right? no. It's just between you and me, Kevin. Nobody else okay. can hear me because I'm whispering. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good so point. Just don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, so, the restaurant will be filled with jazz music, obviously. Um, and I think it's a great kind of entry point to New Orleans Square because most people enter that land either from Adventureland or Frontierland. And to me, that building is a little bit nebulous of where it is because the backside more or less faces Adventureland, the front side faces Frontierland, and then like the corner kind of faces New Orleans Square. So I kind of want to give it a real southern look to it and really make it clear that this is part of uh, New Orleans Square. And I think we can bring in some more landscaping around it that kind of brings the pirates and stuff and the swampiness around to that area a little bit more. Um, kind of hide it behind some like um, cypress trees and things like that and, and give it more of a mystical feel to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think it can really come off. I imagine like all those warm gold colors uh, from the film. And I don't know, I think it'd be really neat. Uh, you know, New Orleans square is the place to eat in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Riverbell Terrace is kind of one of those like, eh, okay, whatever, it's there. It's it's kind of a second choice for most people, you know, if they can't get into the French market or if they can't get into Cafe Orleans or Blue Bayou or certainly Club 33. Like, I feel like that's the least one. So I'd like to give that another like signature spot, you know, where it's like they have, especially if they can get a signature dish. Because right now the Riverbell Terrace isn't really known for anything, I don't feel like. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my vision for that. And so that chops off the toe of Frontierland and makes New Orleans Square a little bit bigger. Nice. 
I like that idea. Primarily because it involves chicken and waffles, one of my absolute right. favorite meals for breakfast, lunch, and or dinner. So yeah. there's 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 never a bad time to have chicken and waffles. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you want to bring them in and want to have this really upscale experience, also themed after one of the best-known IPs for New Orleans, is right. amazing. And you're right. That corner of the park really is this weird, like, five-point section of the park, and you don't really know which land it belongs to. You know, if right. you theme it in such a way where it absolutely belongs to New Orleans Square, uh, that would be absolutely awesome. I'm so yeah. for this idea. So for it. Well, the the other thing that I would kind of want to do with it, it changes two other things in, uh, in New Orleans Square. So I would like her famous gumbo to Ooh, be like yeah. the thing, right? But what that does is it kind of nullifies the little, well, I can't remember what it's called right now, the walk-up counter next to Pirates where you can get the bowl of gumbo. I call it the gumbo counter. The gumbo counter. <laughs> it kind of nullifies that. So what I would do is I would make hers the signature spot for gumbo, and I would change that spot to the beignet spot. Oh. Because the fact that the beignets and the smell of the beignets is tucked way in the back of New Orleans Square is kind of a misstep. It's one of the only missteps in the design of the land. I think they need that smell and that enticement front and center. Yeah. And I feel like that would be a better place to do it is right there. You're right. And because most of the smell of the beignets is lost when the train comes by. Right. Exactly. So by putting it there, they can also do the famous pumping of the scents. Yeah. You know, and really get you. Oh, dude, I'm so on board with yeah. this. Okay, cool. Oh. Cool. <laughs> so that's idea one. Okay. So you're up. Oh. Okay. Damn, I want some beignets now. Uh, <laughs> beignets and a glass of milk would be really nice right now. I'm just saying. Uh, Okay, so my first idea doesn't necessarily have to do with a restaurant or, you know, building an attraction or anything, but it is a showpiece. I've never been to New Orleans, but I know of uh, things that happen in New Orleans. There's this concept called dueling pianos. And so the idea behind dueling pianos is that you have two artists that are playing these songs, they're singing, and, you know, they're they're essentially comedians that are, Mm -hmm. you know, that are going back and forth just having fun, poking at each other, singing songs, uh, poking fun at the audience. And it's just a show that doesn't just wrap up the people that are on stage, but it also kind of wraps the entire audience. In New Orleans, I know that there's a very, very famous dueling piano bar called Pat O'Brien's. And so mm-hmm. I feel that if there was something that we could model inside of New Orleans Square, probably where the jazz band plays in front of the French market, we could expand oh, that little okay. stage, set up the dueling pianos, and do it in such a way where the platform goes up and down like it does uh, in Tomorrowland for the Tomorrowland Terrace. And oh. so it would allow you to have a full band piece set or have the dueling pianos come up. And that mm-hmm. way... Uh, you can you can have two different kinds of shows, one for the day, one for the night, or just alternating them during the day. But I think bringing the concept of dueling pianos to New Orleans in the square would be super fun. Yes. 
That's a really interesting idea. I had no idea that you would go this direction. Um, yeah, I think they would have to pick a spot where they could add more seating because it, that is usually filled with patrons. Yeah. So if you had people that just wanted to watch the show, I, I, that might be tricky, but I love the idea of dueling pianos. I wonder, though, if because in New Orleans Square you're trying to maintain a fairly consistent musical ambiance, would you limit them to like jazzy stylings no. and like no. Creole and? Okay. I think it would be based on that. Like maybe eighty to eighty-five percent of the show would be that. But I think mm-hmm. just like the Dapper Dance performing boy band pieces, yeah, but they in... do them in a barbershop style, right? But I'm saying, are you familiar with Richard Cheese? Yeah. Okay. So you know how Richard Cheese takes everything and makes it into this lounge style of song. Uh-huh. I think they can do the same thing into like a Creole style format of the okay. song. So okay. they can take all these pieces from pop culture and just put them in this style. And it would just be fun to hear all these musical pieces or even Disney pieces that aren't necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, heard in that format as part of the dueling. Right. That's a cool idea, man. I really like it. I, I think that would be a lot of fun. You know, they have a dueling pianos bar in Walt Disney World. No, I believe kidding. it's. I believe it's at the Boardwalk. It might be at Disney Springs, but I believe it's at the Boardwalk. Yeah. So th- okay, this is cool. this is not foreign to Disney, so they could easily, you know, pull that off. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Then let's get it. Let's get it done. And look. <laughs> If we need more space, I know I'm about to say something that might anger a few people, but expand the French market and get rid of that that fountain that people mm. normally wrap around to, to line up for Haunted Mansion. There's plenty mm-hmm. of space to have overflow, but get yeah. rid of the fountain, and then you have more space to put the stage up to that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. That could be fun, man. Yeah. They do a lot of good outdoor music shows at the park. Like both Disneyland and DCA. And that's probably one of the best is where you can sit there and listen to the jazz combo mm-hmm. play. It's really good. And of course, over in uh, Paradise Park, they do a lot of good music too. Yeah. 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 Cool. I like it. All right. All right. So my next idea, we're going to be stepping just inside Adventureland and re-theming Tarzan's Treehouse. Interesting. Tarzan's Treehouse is going to be taken over by the voodoo queen herself, Mama Odie. Nice. And so you're going to kind of be able to climb through it and climb through, you know, scenes with, you know, all of her animal friends uh, that hang out with her in her weird little treehouse. And uh, you'll have... You know, her dig a little deeper song going. And I kind of feel like it's time to like plus that treehouse up beyond um, static statues and maquettes and actually bring some animatronics up into those branches. Right on. I would, I would love to see, you know, an animatronic, you know, all of those like snakes and birds that are hanging out with her. But then you could also have, you know, Louie like hanging onto a branch, like trying to climb up the tree (laughs) and you could have Tiana and Naveen as frogs up there. And, and of course at the very top, you could have Mama Odie herself, you know, doing her little song and dance at the top. 
And I don't know. I think it could be fun. And to me, it makes for a pretty good transition between adventure and New Orleans, you know, because you're still in this kind of jungly, swampy tree environment. But Tarzan is just so foreign. It's like so much the other side of the world, you know, that to jump from there right to New Orleans is, you know, it's a stretch. Of course, the argument can be made on the other side where you're jumping from Jolly Holiday to freaking Tiki House. True. But whatever. Uh, I just think that, uh, well, I'll be honest. I don't like the Tarzan Tree House. I thought Swiss Family Robinson was way better. Uh, but I feel like we could retheme it with an IP that kind of makes sense. And the fact that it's kind of standing over what is now becoming Tiana's place is kind of perfect. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. I especially like the idea of bringing animatronics into that area because it just, it does seem kind of dull outside of just making it to the top and just kind of seeing the stuff that's up there. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't offer much, you yeah. know, outside of having your kids run around and you sit at the bottom maybe and enjoy the smell from the Bengal barbecue. But you're right. Theming it to to that and having Mama Odie there would ease the transition from the forest and the jungle area uh, of of the bayou, let's say, and into Mm -hmm. New Orleans Square. It's just a much better transition. Yeah. Ah, And what if somehow you made the the treehouse and and Mama Odie somehow interact with Tiana's place where like like magic was thrown down and like there was like kind of like a light show or some kind of like magic coming down like that cursed the restaurant Ooh. and then like it something has to happen where Tiana re- reverses it like it's it's not slime it's mucus and then like you know what I mean <laughs> like yeah something happens where the magic or you get the audience involved like you get the people there involved and they have to recite something that reverses what she just did mm-hmm. i like it I, I think that's cool at night you could have a lot of that magic happening you know interaction between the tree and the restaurant i think that's that's a cool idea man yeah you could have even if you just had like projections on the backside of the river bell terrace as you're walking between that and the tree and you could see projections on the restaurant of like a silhouette of the frog like becoming tiana again like something like that you know something subtle kind of like the shadow of walt in 1901 that could be cool i'm in yeah but see and, and you mentioned the story of tarzan what i like about this idea is that it's just that one scene you're not trying to retell the whole movie in yeah you know a tree house you're just trying to climb up into her tree and see what's going on kind of like swiss family robinson's tree house right you know you weren't trying to retell the whole story of the movie you're just trying to get up in that cool tree house and see it yeah. you know which was neat yeah okay i'm on board with this i'm on All board right, with cool. this so far so good okay we- it's going to be tricky on the next one, but go ahead. Okay, this one, look, uh, this one's kind of weaker. I should have gone with this one first. Um, <laughs> and there are a lot of challenges because obviously there's no kitchen involved. Everything would have to be maybe buffet style or something. But I would like to have a dining package on the Mark Twain where Ooh. you basically just ride the Mark Twain for an hour and you're sitting there on the boat having your dinner, listening to music. 
Uh, I think doing it like on one of those days where Disneyland closes at 8 p.m. And then, you know, you're there for an additional hour, hour and a half, enjoying your music, enjoying your meal where everything is empty. But all you're doing is riding the Mark Twain around. I think it would be a really cool experience. I know not a full blown attraction. It's just one of those things that I think would be super cool to do. That would be cool to do. So do you consider the Mark Twain a part of New Orleans Square or Frontierland? I actually consider it more part of New Orleans Square than I do Frontierland. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because on the map, it's Frontierland. I know it is. From day one, it's Frontierland. But I I understand what you're saying because they would be, you know, traveling down the Mississippi and uh, exiting around New Orleans, of course. Yeah. but, you know, riverboats traveled all the great rivers of America. And that's that's a cool idea. I super, super like it. And I that's a dining package that I would definitely consider getting. Especially if you had the time. If they gave you an hour, if it was like an hour's cruise. You know, and you just that sat there, right? Would be amazing. Well, would you have it like be stationary or no. would you have it be going around the circuit? No, because I think it's so magical to listen to the waterfalls and to listen mm-hmm. to the ambient sounds that are coming around when you're floating around the river. And mm-hmm. not to say that it's not magical, but there's this weird disconnect that happens right where uh, Frontierland and New Orleans Square meet where you kind of don't know what's happening. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much going on around you. And, you know, at certain points, depending on where you are on the Mark Twain, you can see Space Mountain in the background. And <laughs> there's a lot of the magic i think that's lost and i I get it we can't seclude everything we can't make it in such a way where it's like galaxy's edge where it just takes you completely out of everything else and just puts you in this land but at night you know you turn off some lights and you make it a part of the experience and all of a sudden maybe the top floor is reserved for food and the servers and you know the bottom couple floors have a bar and the seating you know and that's Mm -hmm. where you have your dinner and you're just sitting there having drinks or wine or dinner or something and you're just floating around the river listening to all the sounds you know and you listen to the mm-hmm. waterfalls and i just think it would be so cool i i really like this i i yeah i'm on board no <laughs> pun intended but i'm ch- that's, that's really cool, man. So would you have it be like retrofitted with all that stuff so it kind of is a permanent dining experience? Or would it be like just regular Mark Twain rides during the day and then yeah. like for yeah. the hour before Fantasmic? Well, that's the problem is Fantasmic. Well, no, I you, think this would be... You'd have to line it up. Like, like I said, there's plenty of days where Disneyland doesn't stay open until 9 or 10 or midnight. There are times where it closes at 8 p.m. or 8.30, you know? And I think that on one of those days, like, this doesn't have to be something that happens every weekend. This could be something that happens every month or every quarter, twice a year maybe. And it's just one of those things people look forward to. Like, maybe do it on a dapper day, for instance. I don't know. You know, like, line it up with something that, you know, you dress up really nice and you have this, like, upscale meal on the Mark Twain type thing. You know, mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. think just the experience alone would be cool. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think this is something that I want to see happening all the time. I like it. Sweet. <laughs> I think that's perfect. And I think that's perfect because my next idea 
is taking over the Mark Twain. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another area where I see us expanding New Orleans Square to a piece of frontier land. Uh, because I, too, believe that the Mark Twain could easily be adopted by New Orleans Square, even though the dock is clearly in frontier land. Uh, but I would like to kind of continue this little range of Princess and the Frog and make it, retheme it, okay. you know, away from Mark Twain and the Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn thing. Um, you know, they've already moved Tom Sawyer Island away from original Tom Sawyer, made it more piratey. So I feel like we can transition this without too much of a kerfuffle. Uh, bring in, a, you know, jazz music onto the boat, you know, have a live band on there. I love the idea of having food, um, you know, either for part of the day, like for just dinner service or, you know, a dining package like you're talking about. Uh, but I would also incorporate a retheming of the scenes that you see on the north end of the river and make it more of a Princess and the Frog experience, you know, where you see, you know, scenes from the film or characters. You can go through a section, you know, of darkness where you see Dr. Facilier and his friends on the other side, maybe coming out from behind the rocks or something. Uh, You know, I, I feel like you could really play with that, especially at nighttime. You could enhance some of that. Um, and I, I feel like this would be really tricky to pull off in effect in an effective way, but I feel like it could be done, you know, like I really like the new scenes, uh, with the native Americans. I just, I don't know. I get, I get real like, uh, timid about, you know, saying, oh, they're great and, you know, they're acceptable. They're you know, sensitive to cultures, whatever. Uh, But I feel like if you put one of their cartoon properties back there, you don't have to worry about that as much. Yeah. You know, I just, I feel like I, I, I don't know if Disney is stepping on any toes with some of those scenes. So I feel like they could almost play it safer by putting in uh, something different from one of their animated films. And I just like the idea of, kind of having this range of princess and the frog experiences that you can have there, because I feel like it's one of their neglected properties and they've got this perfect place for it in new Orleans square and it's not being used enough. So I would love it to be, you know, uh, a great riverboat experience where you get to kind of see some things from the movie. Maybe Louie shows up on the stage and yeah. blasts his trumpet for you like he does in Mickey and the Magical Map. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think they could have a lot of fun with it and make it less because right now it seems kind of plodding and historical and and I like it. But, you know, I don't feel like people are really listening to any of that stuff. I think they are on the Columbia, but not on the Mark Twain. So, I don't know. I I think we can kind of combine our ideas and make for a better riverboat experience. Uh, I really do like that idea because, like you said, and I'm not saying this, you know, as an offense to anybody, but I don't pay attention to any of that stuff when I'm on the Mark Twain. Like I said, Mm. I'm primarily listening to the ambient sounds. 
Uh, I love I love being out in nature and it it makes me angry that I don't get a chance to do it as often as I would want to. So I try to sneak in those moments as much as possible, especially Mm -hmm. when I'm at Disneyland and especially in the Mark Twain and on um, in Pirate's Lair on on the island. Right. Because all you hear is the birds. You hear the sounds in the background. You hear the other animals. And I feel like if you can zone out everything else, you get a little bit of that nature experience, you know, in that Mm -hmm. little neck of the woods, so to speak. And so allowing you to do the same thing by removing all of those other scenes and putting in uh, Princess and the Frog related scenes, it does bring a little more cohesiveness to everything that's going on there. And it doesn't feel like a disconnect because I guess when it first started, it was easier to connect everything together with Frontierland because you had the um, the mine train through nature's wonderland and you had mm-hmm. everything else in the background. You had the, the donkey rides and you had all of this stuff that had to do with nature and the desert and all these trees and water all coming together. And you don't get that anymore. You know, right. there is a disconnect with everything that's happening, especially now that you have Batu behind the berm there. So yeah. I, I think retheming it to bring in Princess and the Frog, and then, like you said, if we combine it with this dining experience, oh man, that, that's a winning idea, dude. I'm so for it. Nice. I like it. I, I like it a Very lot. Very cool. Okay. Uh, my third idea is actually based on something that w- was a concept before the Haunted Mansion opened, but never truly saw the light of day. And when the Haunted Mansion was originally going to just be a walkthrough exhibit, there was a lot of talk about the Museum of the Weird. And I think we need to bring a walkthrough exhibit or even a gallery type experience called the Museum of the Weird. And you're walked around and the curator of this weird stuff is the shadow man himself, Dr. Facilier. Nice. The idea behind the Museum of the Weird is to start off with a section that's dedicated to the stuff that Rolly developed as part of the Museum of the Weird. Because there was so much artwork and so many artifacts that he created that were going to make it into the mansion that never did. That I think are just iconic and to this day I still think deserve a spot inside of the mansion like the Candleman for instance. But if we can't have it in there, let's have a museum of the weird and like I said, who better than to collect all this weird stuff than Dr. Facilier? He can walk around, he can tell you about it and come up with all these stories about where he collected it and which of the Loa gave it to him and how he negotiated getting this for this and It would also serve as an opportunity to have outside artists similar to Wonderground create these weird things that could go into the museum. So there would be rotating pieces every month or two to also showcase and sell art pieces for other Disney artists. That's a cool idea. Hmm? So where would you put this? No idea. Oh, cool. I don't know. That's (laughs) And that's why I was talking about that. It's really difficult because there's not a lot of space, right? Right. And because the Disney Gallery has now become the dream suite, and unless if we're moving the the beignets to the gumbo and the gumbo is going to Tiana's place, maybe we expand that back area behind the French Market and that becomes the museum. But then Mm. we might lose the restroom. I don't know. 
we're very space restricted. And trust me, if yeah. you think this is restrictive, wait till I tell you my fourth idea. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Well, I I love this idea. I'm wondering. Okay, so I feel like maybe there's area between the mansion and Splash Mountain that could be utilized. Yeah. You know, there's there's that area that is there's the side yard which the pet cemetery. Yeah, it's the pet cemetery which isn't really used as far as I know. Maybe it's access for cast members of some sort. I think that's sort. what it is. Yeah, it's backstage access. But if it's a if we put something else there, they can still maintain access. And then on the splash side, it's like part of the queue that is that queue never extends out there anymore. Hardly ever. Yeah. You know, and if it does, they just double back across the, you know, the walkway. They don't have to do that little snaky area back there. True. You know, so there's, there's an area there. I don't know if that gives you a lot of room, but I don't know. I feel like maybe there's something there that could be done. Then it's time to build down. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm totally down with that. More stretching rooms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I, I think all those Museum of the Weird ideas were really cool. And, you know, we mentioned it uh, a couple episodes ago. I would love it if for the 50th anniversary they surprised us with – giving us a new character in the mansion. Right. I think the Candleman's perfect. I think you could put him in the conservatory. I think you could put him somewhere in the attic, like hiding in the, all the junk. I agree. You know, I, there's a lot of places you could put him and it would be awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all for that idea. And you know where the, the best place might actually be is in the endless hallway because there's already a floating Ooh. candle and it could be his floating hand or something. I don't know. It feels like it's the perfect place for the Candleman. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it would throw off the vibe of that. Oh, you can fix the illusion so that it works. If you can get it to work on pirates. Well, I'm not I'm not worried about the illusion. I'm worried about just throwing off the kind of creepy vibe of that shot. Because that, to me, is one of the only creepy things. Dude, if you saw a dude made of wax, I'm th- I think that's pretty creepy. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. So. (laughs) Well, that kind of rolls into some of my general ideas that I'll throw out at the end. Okay. Um, So I like it. I think that's that's a good idea. All right. Well, I have completed my Princess and the Frog expansion with those three ideas that I gave you first. Now I'm going to go completely different in my direction as far as... um, we're going to enter a new IP, uh, something not many people have probably ever considered for the park, let alone New Orleans Square. X-Men. Bring in Remy LeBeau. So, yep, yep. It's going to be a Gambit attraction right there in the middle. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. So... As we all know, the epic experiences in New Orleans Square are made possible by the huge show buildings for pirates and mansion, which sit outside the berm. Well, there is a rather large space between those two show buildings outside the berm. It's currently occupied by some sort of infrastructure buildings. I don't know if they're just maintenance offices or or what they are, but 
just like Guardians, or not Guardians, just like Galaxy's Edge, we're just going to boot those out of the way and we're going to take over some of that uh, property behind the berm and create a whole new attraction back there. So nice. we're bringing a full new attraction to New Orleans Square. Here's how it's going to go. So FYI, I'm glad that you're taking that direction and in that space because my fourth idea same space. Okay, I figured. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There's only so many directions you can go. That That's uh, what I'm saying, right? It's super yeah, small right. back there. So it's going to be an entrance kind of designed in a similar way as Toontown, where you're going to walk down under the track mm-hmm. and then come up on the other side. Okay? Um, it's going to be to the right of the train station entrance and to the left of the Haunted Mansion Fast Pass area. So it's going to be in that section. You're going to start to go down under the track and come up on the other side. As you do so, you're going to realize that you're shrinking down about to the size of, let's say, a mouse. And the plants and trees and rocks (sighs) and other props are going to be enlarged so you can feel the scale changing and you're going to realize oh i'm little and you're basically walking right into the show building but it's going to appear like you're in the outdoors at night so similar to pirates but you're going to be walking into like ground level like mouse level to a creepy bayou okay sprawling in front of you And what has happened here is you've been recruited by the Rescue Aid Society. Interesting. You're going to be helping Bernard and Bianca save Penny on Devil's Bayou. Okay. So you're going to board little leaf boats propelled by dragonflies. And you're going to go off on this epic adventure where you're going to have encounters with Madame Medusa and Mr. Snoops, uh, the alligators, Brutus and Nero. And, of course, you're going to have a culminating grand finale scene in the pirate cave where Penny's been forced to go down there to try and get the devil's eye, which is the big diamond. And it's going to be epic and thrilling and intense. And then at the end, it's going to be sweet and heartwarming and loving and it's going to bring all the Disney storytelling and magic that they have at their disposal. It's going to use animatronics. It's going to use projections. It's going to use all of it to transport you into that film and the feeling of that film, which I think it's, a, it's one of their most emotional films and one of their most intense. And I think that it fits perfect with New Orleans because it's set in Louisiana in a swamp in a bayou and it's this great set of characters both good and evil and it's it's perfect for an attraction especially a water attraction nice so that's that's my idea for that area dude i love that idea (laughs) love it and at some point you 
you board a bird and you end up in Australia, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the warp zone part of the of the attraction. <laughs> Dude, that's cool, uh, especially considering that the rescuers doesn't get much love throughout the, yeah. the any resorts really. You right. might get lucky to see them as part of one of the cavalcades or when they're celebrating mm-hmm. some kind of anniversary, but you don't really see Bernard and Bianca as part of anything in the park so this is actually cool so just to clarify you said you were walking into the attraction and you get the feeling that you're essentially shrinking and by the time Mm -hmm. you board you are the size of these mice yes okay yes okay gotcha yeah so the idea would be as you encounter things like Brutus and Nero, they'll be towering over you. Okay. You know, yeah. like maybe you like zip between their legs, you know, and like escape them by almost like them not seeing you almost, yeah. you know, like they're bigger than you are. So, yeah, that's the idea. It's kind of like when you go, when you would go into It's Tough to Be a Bug or when you walk into Pixie Hollow okay. or any of the transitions into A Bug's Land. You know, where it's like things just started getting bigger. So you can kind of tell, oh, I'm supposed to be really small right now. And that's going to be the one of the neat things about this attraction is that you're seeing things from the perspective of a mouse in the rescue aid society. Yeah. Now, do you envision this entire thing? You said you're being uh, pulled by fireflies, right? Yes. Um, Do you feel this is going to be more of a like a pirates of the caribbean just kind of floating through it's a small world type boat attraction or is there going to be like a little more action involved for instance when brutus when you approach brutus and nero and you're trying to escape them will they use their tails to like splash water all over you you know and and it gets a little rough on the attraction yeah i don't know um I haven't really thought about whether or not it would be a wet attraction, you know, like if you would get splashed, but definitely I want it to be dynamic boat vehicles like Shanghai Mm -hmm. where they can turn you and face you to whatever they want you you to see at that moment. And then also some dynamic movements. Um, So there would be some parts where you've got to escape really quickly. So the firefly, zips it into high gear and pushes you really fast so like you feel that speed change you know so kind of like uh, like cars but in water you know where it's like oh we're racing now we're you know we're off to the races here but we're on water so i would love it to have a lot of that dynamism to it you know where you've got slow tranquil parts and then fast intense parts i mean i guess the one of those intense parts could be that you're essentially are they crocodiles or alligators? What are they? They're alligators. alligators they're okay. alligators. Yeah. So considering they're so fast in the water, mm-hmm. I guess one of the like exciting scenes could be that you're basically hauling firefly, you know, to escape them, and that's when it like yeah. speeds up, right? Because yeah. they're about to like snap you into mm-hmm. their their alligator like teeth. Right. And you just narrowly escape. Or there's like a monstro scene where you actually feel like you got swallowed but just narrowly (laughs) escaped Ooh, nice ah okay all right dude i like this idea yeah and you could have um medusa on that crazy little fan boat that she rides 
that she zips yes, through the bayou on. Yes. Uh, oh. So she could be chasing you. Like they could like be like ready to like be upon you and you feel like they got you. But when the lights come back up, you're actually inside the pirate cave. Okay. But I got you know? another idea for you. I got another idea. Okay. And, and this okay. is going to bring even more synergy into New Orleans Square with other attractions. Using projections, maybe you can project the opening of Pirates of the Caribbean in the Blue Bayou so you're essentially on the same waterbed as the boats on Pirates. Ooh, that's cool. So now it makes you feel like you're actually in New Orleans Square and now you're this tiny person in this bug attraction. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. I like that. I think we can work with that. That'd be super <laughs> fun. <laughs> and then the Very last cool. thing you hear is dead men tell no tales as you go into like a sewer or something like that. And then you end up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you end up in the swamp yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I just, oh, that's, that's funny. so cool. Dude, <laughs> I like this idea a lot. Yeah, I, I, when I came up with it, I was very excited. I was actually bouncing ideas uh, back and forth with Charlie and um you know she helped me really solidify a lot of this and that's one of our favorite um disney couples is bernard and bianca they're the cutest you're so cute (laughs) so yeah um the chance to bring them into the park for me was a no-brainer that's cool i like that well i mean if if we're being completely honest the idea of dueling pianos came from a conversation that i had with mario Mm-hmm. So we were we were just talking about nice. yeah we were talking about different artists and uh, artists that we just think are extremely talented and we were talking about mm-hmm. documentaries on Netflix and stuff like that and then we were talking about how cool it would be that they just didn't work together that they were just like dueling against each other in these shows and I was like oh hey we have this New Orleans Square show coming up and then we were talking about how we could possibly implement that into New Orleans Square so you mm-hmm. know the idea kind of came from that conversation with my brother so I just want to hey, throw man. that out there absolutely yeah like no artist stands alone yeah like, you know we so, all get our ideas from everywhere yeah so I do want to give him credit for helping me out with that one but it's Sweet. one of my favorite ideas so Okay, um, my final idea. And this one, you know, you mentioned something very important when we were talking about, I think it was your, your, your last idea, where you're talking about removing some of the scenes around the Mark Twain with the Native Americans and, you know, kind of replacing them with Princess and the Frog scenes because uh, I, I want to be sensitive to all that stuff as well, right? And my third idea is is based on the fact that oh my god i absolutely love wicked so much <laughs> so much wow so my idea is to essentially do a wicked style show that tells the story of dr facilier Ooh. create an inst- an entire stage show where um so so here's where it gets a little sensitive okay because um New Orleans, uh, as an actual place in the real world, is uh, full of voodoo and hoodoo and uh, bokers and capladas. And the thing about that is that voodoo is 
essentially based on religion. It is Mm -hmm. a mashup of religions from different places in the world, and they all kind of come together to form the religion of voodoo. There's Haitian voodoo, and there's like the the Louisiana voodoo. And so that's the part where I think I want to be most sensitive about this because it's not doing it in a way – I don't want to present it in a way where it's insulting to anybody. I don't want to present it in such a way where it's making fun of it or, you know – you know, I do want to present it in a way where it's telling the story of Dr. Facilier and it's it's semi rooted in the real life practices of what, you know, is is hoodoo and voodoo and how the differences between the two, how like one is like folk magic that harnesses like all these supernatural forces to improve your life and how there's like the bokers. And how they practice magic with both hands, right? Because the right hand is to do good deeds and the left hand is to do evil. And how Dr. Facilier at one point mentions how he knows voodoo and hoodoo and so many other things he's never tried, right? And so Mm -hmm. the entire story is based around how growing up, he spent his entire life learning these practices and how he learned to work with the Loa and how he would trap people and take people and capture their souls. And essentially at the end, it all comes full circle and it just fails on him. And, you know, you see scenes from the princess and the frog incorporated into the the performance, similar to how they hint at things that happened in the Wizard of Oz in Wicked. Mm-hmm. So the entire nice. show, basically the story of Dr. Facilier. Dude, I love it. it. So are you thinking like a like a theater like Frozen, like Hyperion? Yes. But oh, I would want to build the yes. theater in that back area that you want to put your rescuers attraction in because obviously there's nowhere to put it. And so part of the idea is to have, um, I don't want to necessarily say grifters because it's, it's kind of a bad term in most cases, but maybe magicians, you know, Mm -hmm. walking around new Orleans square, like, you know, uh, persuading you persuade to show you a couple magic tricks. And they're like, Oh, do you want to learn about this? Come see Dr. Facilier or come see the story of how you can too. And that's how they entice you. Right. And once you get there, like you can buy like souvenir talismans, you know, of the spirits or the crocodile teeth that the shadow man wears and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, things that I believe uh, can be incorporated into this and into the the story of New Orleans Square, but it would also mix in really well with the Museum of the Weird Idea, and I, I don't know. I think it would just be a super cool show to see. I agree, man. That's awesome. One of my very first ideas that I ended up scrapping was an attraction called Friends on the Other Side. And it was going to be focused on Dr. Facilier. It was going to be all like black light, you know, phosphorescent paints, like crazy voodoo psychedelic attraction. And I I ended up scrapping it because I didn't feel like I had a really strong concept for it. So I'm glad you came up with a much better idea. Uh, I love it. I love the idea of that. I think it's really, really cool. Cool. Thank you. So, So that's it. That's all the ideas I had. Dude, that man, like we came up with a lot of changes for New Orleans Square. Yeah, but at least I, I didn't tear it down. 
That's true. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I figured this one was probably pretty safe, knowing that it's your favorite land. <laughs> uh, so, or one of it is, is it your favorite land, or is it Main Street? Uh, I mean, it's close, right? They're super close. But if yeah. I absolutely look, if they were both hanging off a cliff, and I had to save one of them, it would be New Orleans Square. Okay, that's what I thought. So I figured it was pretty safe. But I mean, I, I think there are some other little things around that we could help New Orleans Square with. You know, in my talk with Charlie, you know, she brought up a good point. The shops or a lot of the shops in that area have in some ways kind of lost perspective. So like the the shop at the back that's in Le Baton Rouge currently is just a little boutique that sells the same stuff you can get in like 10 different shops around the park, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little generic for New Orleans Square. New Orleans Square should be filled with unique little shops. You know, it should be mystery around every corner, I think. That's right. And Bring so, back l'ornement magique. Yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> but but make it a unique selection that you can only get in New Orleans Square, you yeah. know. I feel like the crystal shop and the perfumery are a little too high end. They don't have a lot on the low end for the casual souvenir buyer. Yeah. Um, for example, I wanted a little C-3PO that they had in there. It's a tiny little like three inch character. That thing was like $300, Mm. you know, like, I mean, I get it. They're really nice, but I feel like they should have a little more variety, uh, or at least in pricing. Yeah. Um, I think Pandora comes the closest for most people when trying to find something that's comfortable, but it's primarily jewelry. So yeah. I, I, I think the crystal shop especially is primarily catered to those people walking out of Club 33 that have had way too many drinks. And they're like, $300, give me four. Yeah, but Club 33 has its own merchandise. Yeah, but you don't know when you're going to impulse buy. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Anyway, I, I feel like they could, you know, they could bring us some more, you know, unique uh, New Orleans themed shops. Um, I love that uh, Pieces of Eight is still going strong, and I don't think that'll ever leave. Um, the one that's next to 21 Royal with all the Haunted Mansion and Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what that one's called right now. Anyway, here's the deal. Like, I'm glad that they have that, but Memento Mori, y'all. Oh, for real? Come on. Come on. we got to have... Like and it should be down closer to New or uh, to the mansion. I think I don't know. I, I it just seems like that's a miss. The fact that they've got those little carts out in front of yeah. the mansion. It's like come on, dude. Yeah, we we can do better than that. Plus, we could also put like the Museum of the Weird in those shops. Yeah, like I feel like there's area. I think they could redesign some of it to be workable uh, for some of these purposes. Even if they did the Dream Suite, I don't know how much they're utilizing that besides the 21 Royal uh, dinner experience. So anyway, New Orleans Square is my favorite land as well. It's mostly perfect. But, you know, as Walt always said, we got to keep moving forward. Keep blessing. Yeah. Oh, man. So many good ideas, dude. I really like that rescuers thing too. Oh, thanks, Especially dude. considering that there's only two attractions, but they're really strong, dude. I mean, I feel like yeah. I don't know. They just anchor New Orleans Square so well. Yeah, they're just. I'm I telling agree. you, they're just 
they're just legacy attractions that just yeah. you can't go wrong with them. Even I mean, if you add a couple new things here and there to the mansion or to pirates, it's almost instantly a new attraction. You know, add a couple new scenes. You know, I I would be okay if they got rid of I don't know the like the scene with the casket, for instance. But then mm-hmm. they turn you in that direction, and the and then you see the Escher staircases out in that direction in this uh, forced yeah. perspective to make it look like it's deep into the wall. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. There's tons of things that I, I feel that can be done in the mansion without necessarily yeah. completely changing it. So Pirates is, is pretty much the same. And we kind of saw that with the addition of Red and then the, the new illusion, you know, as mm-hmm. you're going through the caverns. So yep. that's that's classic, man. They just don't make them like they used to no more, Gavin. Word. <laughs> Although uh, Rise of the Resistance hasn't opened yet, so oh, see, they don't make them like they used to, but they've plussed them up two hundred times. <laughs> They're a new, a new beast. It's a new now. breed of attraction. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well. If you have any ideas of what you would like to see come to New Orleans Square, or if there's any ideas that we threw out today that you particularly like, we'd love to hear which one of those ideas you you did enjoy. Join the conversation by leaving us a comment over on the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 265. You can also leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcasters. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts on all the things that we talked about in this episode, and we'll share those in an upcoming episode. Uh, Yeah, super fun episode, man. Yeah, it was good. You know what we should do? We got to chat. You know what we should do? We should have Melissa, uh, if she had an opportunity to come up with her own ideas, because I know she's really busy right now, but I know that listening to this, her brain's just going to go like 200 miles an hour. Sure. If she comes up with any ideas, we'll share them in the next episode if she can't come on. And okay. that way we can get her thoughts on, on re-plussing up New Orleans Square as well. I like it. Right. Uh, the one thing that I didn't do that I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with it later is I didn't remove Nightmare Before Christmas from the mansion, which I totally want to do and give it its own attraction. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do that this week, so... Um, stay tuned for that in a future episode. Ooh, that's called a teaser, kids. <laughs> okay, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. So before we close up shop for today, I want to give you a quick reminder that if you like to buy anything on Amazon, another great way to help out the podcast, aside from becoming part of the FGP squad, is to start that purchase by going to podcasters.com slash Amazon before you buy anything, because you can click on the big Amazon button on that page. It'll take you to Amazon just like you were going to go anyway. But the big difference is that we get a small commission from Amazon as a thank you because you went through our page and believe it or not, All those little commissions from Amazon add up and help us out a lot. So to everybody that's taking the opportunity to go to podcasters.com slash Amazon before your purchases, we just want to say thank you for your support as well. And that's it. It's time to wrap it up. It's time to, what is it? Taco time? How, How late is it? Can we get tacos?
I mean, according to what you said earlier, it sounds like it's beignet time. For real, dude. Honestly, it's now chicken and waffles time. We've been going for almost two hours, and it is now chicken and (laughs) waffles time. Okay, so serious food. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, none of these snacks. Those come after the chicken and waffles. So on that note, it's time to close out the episode. So until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone. Made you look.